Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. What is Zen Parenting Radio, you may ask? It's a podcast. Um, and today we have an episode called Conversations We Love, and we're going to introduce our guests in just a second. But why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember a motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And who did we steal that from, sweetie? Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel. Still, oh, yeah. Still trying to figure that out. Like, it, people are like, I can't find that quote. And I'm like, I know I stole it from him. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's him. somewhere in that book, mm-hmm. right? So you've seen it, Ellen? Yeah, I knew okay. exactly who that was. Yes. Yeah. Um, so on our on our uh, show today is two friends that we just met. But actually, uh, they uh, Jason interviewed us a few months back. And now we get a chance to interview him. So on today's show is uh, Jason Gaddis and Ellen Bader. They are a married couple, and I'm going to let them introduce <laughs> themselves, what they do, and why. And then I'll explain why we wanted to have them on. So, ladies first, Ellen, who are you? What do you do? Thank you. Um, well, I'm uh, married to Jason, so I'm a wife, a mother to our two children. Uh, seven and a half and nine they are now and I'm also a psychotherapist I've been a practicing psychotherapist since 2004 and uh, currently working primarily with couples but have a long history working with women individually on lots of different things nice thank you yeah Jason what about you yeah what's up I'm husband to this amazing woman here <clears throat> father to two incredible kids boys and, girls a boy and a girl okay nine and seven and I'm founder of The Relationship School and host of the Smart Couple Podcast, and I'm an entrepreneur, a relationship coach, that kind of dude. And you used to be a therapist, and you stopped, correct? That's right. Why? Um, Because I got tired of uh, that paradigm for Mm. myself, and clients not following through with their homework, and wanting to create a situation that was more for like a gym, Mm. where people actually worked out and got results because they were lifting the metaphorical relationship weights. It's so funny because I'm, I've been coaching guys for a few years and just recently I'm like, guys, if you're going to come to our coaching sessions and get your work done, save your money. Like the work happens in between sessions mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. For how I work with people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if you guys feel similarly about this. I'm also a therapist. Um, and what I've struggled with since day one, since being in school is the, like you said, the paradigm or the model of looking for problems. I've always struggled with looking for problems because I think we end up pathologizing people rather than noticing what's working. And I've always focused on positive psychology and that's what I teach. So I feel really good about that, but I don't feel like, um, that's a model that is recognized and respected as much. Yeah. Yeah. I think the traditional therapy model can actually disempower people. Yes. Thank you. And I think as therapists, you know, we have to really think, I think more creatively about how we want to help people with their struggles in a way that empowers them, helps them see their strengths, help them see what is working, the intelligence to their reactions to their life issues, you know, all of that. Yes. And it's, to me, it's not only truth, but it's more effective in the long run. Oh, yeah. Have you found that? I mean, are, the, are you ta- which was what's more effective? It's Focusing more effective. On the positive? Yes, because and when I say this, 
I don't mean that getting a diagnosis for something can't be helpful. You know, I used to work with children. I, you know, work, I work with women also mm-hmm. now. So it's not that I don't think that there's a place for having a name for something mm-hmm. because that can, off, you know, that can offer some normalization yeah, too. It can be really True. orienting. Yeah. Like, like, okay, this is where I'm ooh. at. This is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Like a relief or a mm-hmm. community. So it's not that I'm against that. It's just that I found when people recognize that they aren't alone, when people recognize that they have as many strengths as challenges, they are more willing, they have more energy to, like you said, Jason, to do the work. They're like, oh, I'm in this. Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, especially the, There's I have just as many strengths, strengths as challenges. challenges. That's beautiful. It's really well said because psychotherapy, that model in general, like being a sensitive kid who was always looking for like the threat or the problem, uh, that's what a lot of therapist's orientation is, is where's the problem yes. so that I can fix it and make it better, which is cool. And I really like uh, any model that brings in, well, let's look at how this helped you, for mm-hmm. example, this difficult event. Yes. Speaking of positive psychology, Jason is wearing a shirt that says, I believe in you. So <laughs> Yes, I may have to steal that before yes. you leave. You, walk, you get walk. it at the relationship school store. There you go. And like we're it. actually going to talk about that um, as far as, um, I don't want you to answer this question yet because I'm going to ask it after I play this next part. But the idea of us learning all these things in school that really don't make us it doesn't really help us in the long run. Like I remember how to calculate the surface area of a cylinder from my geometry class from eighth right. grade. Yet we don't um, know how to communicate and uh, and be in good relationships formally in school. And that is something that I believe you are have kind of decided this is your vocation, right? Teach. Yeah. Um, it, well. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's a question I'm going to ask. Putting it out there, he's going to want to answer. So hold your, bite your tongue. So this is how I came across Jason. My sweetie sent me this blog and said, "You got to listen. You got to read this." So I read it, and I don't, you know, I was to say I was. I've never seen, and it was a blog written by Jason, and I couldn't remember, I couldn't find it today um, doing research, so I'm actually going to play a clip from a previous podcast where we talked about your blog. We dedicated a whole blog, a whole whole podcast to your blog, and it was called uh, Listen to This One with Your Partner. (laughs) That's what we called the podcast. And it's one of my, you know, in our podcast, in our website, we have the option to... um, um, kind of earmark our favorites. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's brand new, like where should I start? We These are the ones that are most important. Well, this is one of my most important ones. Wow. And it was inspired by something that you wrote. Um, so I'm going to play about 45 seconds of a podcast number 378. And then I just want you to be able, both Ellen and Jason, just comment on Kath, on the reading of the blog. Because okay. you don't want to... You don't want to hear what Kathy and I said because you already heard it on podcast 378. But here we go. This is about 45 seconds. So he is addressing all men. So this is to all the men. If you ever feel like your woman is a moving target, she probably is. And if you ever find yourself wanting a predictable female partner, be careful what you wish for. In my experience, my wife is far from predictable. She's not simple. She's complex. She's like origami. But just when I figure out her origami pattern, she morphs into a new origami puzzle. Not surprisingly, this frustrates me. Yet some part of me wants her to be a simple puzzle that I can figure out like a Rubik's Cube. That way, I don't have to stay present. There we go. Nice. Your words. <laughs> so I'm asking you to comment on your own words, but I just wonder how long did it take you to figure that out? Because <laughs> I wish I would have figured that yeah. out. We, how long have we been married? 15 years? 
almost 16, Taddy. And I figured it out when you wrote that blog. <laughs> nice. So awesome. when did you figure that out? Uh, man, I just got uh, schooled by you and especially listening and trying to understand you. And I, I continue to feel like I'm in a workshop sometimes just when I think I have listening figured out with you. I You're like, mm, I don't feel understood or <laughs> yeah, you're not getting it or... And it's very humbling because then I do have to stay present. Like I, I mm-hmm. want to be present with mm-hmm. you. I want to understand you and I want to know you and what you're going through. And so if I get lazy or complacent there, which is that my smaller self sort of wants that predictability, like sure. a typical guy, like I want to fix this and figure it out quickly and never have to have a challenge again. I just wouldn't stay present. So you keep me on my toes in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think one of the worst things any of us can do to a partner is think we know them. Mm. It's it, one of the worst things we could do to a relationship with our kids, with our, you know, my, with you, my husband. And to, I think the way to keep things alive as I was listening to you, I was thinking, yeah, this is all about staying present because every human is like an unfolding unknown, really. And sure, we have some things that make us look like we're not changing or we're, we're predictable, but we're actually really not. And, uh, it takes a lot of awareness to stay present to the person in front of us who we think we know. We have to keep reminding ourselves we actually don't and stay really curious. Mm. It, it helps so much with with uh, with life, I feel like, to do that. Yeah, and it keeps the, our relationship more of an adventure than this sort of static thing that, like, so many people get bored, quote, bored in a marriage and they do put their partner in a box, and that's what the human brain likes to do is automate right. you know, our partner. Right. We're just and, trying okay, to be you're efficient. this way, you're that way. Yeah, we're trying to conserve resources. <laughs> so to try it on that, well, actually, they're an unfolding mystery, might be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, like you said, I think you just used this word, Ellen, but it keeps it alive. Mm-hmm. And there's two things I thought of. The first one is that when Todd and I, when because... In, in our marriage, I've been very vocal like you have, um, which took a lot of work for me early me on. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I wasn't that way in my 20s. What, what, that's a loaded question. Why? <laughs> Sum it up. Um, well, a, a lot of it came from pain, and a lot of it came from recognizing how small I had made myself, and a lot of it came from early motherhood. I think that was a huge shift for me, for me like a huge mirror. But and I really and then I started working with people, doing my own therapy. I, you know, I had a body worker. You know, I got more spiritually engaged, and so then I was like. Okay, here I am. So let me introduce myself to you. Well, and plus, I was going to say, you know, the way you were brought up. I mean, it's not from your birth fa- family of origin, but just generally, yes. girls are taught what to be uh, quiet, absolutely be nice, be nice, be good, don't make waves, make room for other people, right. absolutely, and make mm-hmm. sure. And there's that, you know, I know we don't like to talk about this so specifically, but that what the man thinks maybe should fill up the space first and then you can give your opinion. And again, even mm-hmm. though nobody said that directly to mm-hmm. me, I you watch that growing up and you you recognize that in early relationships. And so like Ellen, I've been able to say to Todd things that are really hard. Yeah. Like I know you're doing your best here and I see that you drove them to school or did this, but I I don't feel seen or understood. And there was a time and this was probably it's been probably five years since you've said this, but where Todd's like, Todd would say, okay, now how do we keep this from ever happening, happening again? again. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, exactly. And I used to say, well, I don't know, maybe just, and then finally I was like, 
we don't. Yeah. And there was such like a surrender in that. Like, yeah. we will never keep this from happening again. And if we did, it wouldn't be alive anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. So Ellen, uh, would you, re- does that resonate with what Kathy just said as far as how you're, how you're brought up and not to make waves and all yeah, that? Yeah, I think I was really good at kind of doing the right thing, taking care of myself, not asking for a lot, um, making sure everyone else was okay. And then I could feel okay because everyone else got what they needed. Yes. And just prioritizing other people way over myself and not including myself. And and for me too, it was through losing relationships that were important to me um, in my 20s in particular that I, I started going to therapy too and f- trying to figure out how do I, how do I keep going back in with somebody given how painful this has been to lose these things and not really know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I met Jason, I was way more prepared to include myself and advocate for myself while still making room for him and mm-hmm. who he is. I, was, I already had that down, but I, I wasn't good at saying, here's what I need, here's what I want. And it really took, you know, I w- it's, it's, it's still ongoing. I mean, I feel like yeah. with motherhood and the fullness of life, I still can be prone to being like, I'm fine let's just keep going. And he doesn't really let me do that very long. Like, wait, no, you have, you yeah. Know, Cause I know more, he knows ar- around the corner, <laughs> there's going to be a need that surfaces and then it's not going to go well. Yeah. I'm like, honey, no, no, no. Let's no, try to be more proactive here. It's helpful there. Yeah. All right. So here's clip number two. There's three clips that I want to play. And this is me reading Jason's blog from, uh, whatever podcast number 378. It's about 45 seconds. This is the guy, um, this is the guy talking to other guys. I can automate her and check her check it off my list and tell myself I've solved her. But the, fr- but the frustrated little boy in me, as well as the grown man, wants it to be easier sometimes. Can't you be more like me, honey? I'm a straightforward, predictable guy. Yet thankfully, my wife continues to remind me that I am vast and my love is bigger. I can continue to learn to embrace her as she is. And what if I never figure out the puzzle and have her mastered? Well, if that's the case, we both win because I stay present and in student mode, which keeps me attentive, listening, searching. Instead of a dull blade, my sword gets sharper over time because I need to stay agile. What do you think? I like it. <laughs> still still true for You're me. You're like genius. <laughs> still true. Um, as guys, why do we constantly want to fix our wives? Yeah, I think it's part of the male conditioning uh, to uh, problem solve. It's sort of a masculine maybe trait of problem solving. And it's a really awesome quality, especially that works for fixing a car or fixing your business. But it doesn't, it's got a lot of limitations when it comes to intimacy and relationships. And also we're having a conversation on the way over here, just people's, the tendency to avoid conflict. It it just sort of sounds like that. Like I don't want to deal with conflict, so I'm just going to fix this. And then I don't have to do the more complex nuanced thing of kind of working through something with you mm-hmm. and holding space for that. This And who knows what might emerge from that. It's like, we just want to make things simpler. We want conflict to go away. And and I think maybe, maybe men are more prone to that because of how they're brought up. And women want a little more space. We, we have a little more room to have feelings and sift through them. Um, and so maybe we're just more willing mm-hmm. We're but not necessarily less conflict avoidant, but yeah, I was going to say it's probably yeah. a, a non-gender thing of, yeah. of we're all so many people are very conflict avoidant. Yeah, and, we don't want to disrupt. Yeah, because it makes me uncomfortable over here. I'm I'm like upset now, and it feels uncomfortable in my body, and I don't like how this interaction's going. So I want to fix it to make this feeling over here go away as soon as possible. 
That's so interesting because I just this morning, you know, I went to a class this morning and when I was listening, when I got home to a Robcast, did you listen to the most recent Robcast? I started it, but oh. he had a great author on and he said, oh, John Philip Newell. Yeah. yeah. And one of his, so many quotes, but he said, the more aware we become, the more we understand that we have to move toward turbulence because that's something that needs to be born. There's something under there that needs to be born, released, mm. seen. And and that makes like so that. right mm-hmm. move toward the turbulence. And that makes so much sense to me. Um, but just to those words mm. are so fantastic. And mm-hmm. another thing I thought of between Todd and I that I'm, maybe you guys had a similar issue is that there was a time where we were both kind of following very traditional male and female patterns. And I have always been very sensitive and always been very emotional emotive. And um, there was a time that when I would get really upset or overwhelmed by something, I would break down, apologize and say to Todd, wow, you're such a rock. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm such a rock. Aren't I great? Aren't I great? <laughs> when really what we figured out, right? <laughs> what right. We, <laughs> Just those biceps, baby. Gun show over there. Two tickets. Um, um, so <laughs> what we figured out through our own work was that really what was happening is I was doing all the emotional work and Todd was able just to watch it and say, yeah, you're a little crazy, but I'll stand here and be a rock. But he never went there. He mm. never yeah. felt it. Well, what's the word we replaced it with? I, numb. Numb. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, did when he was doing that, yeah. did you actually feel supported and seen? Oh, no. Yeah. No. That wasn't. There was something about the rock that wasn't working. There wasn't. You. Right. I was basically looking at him. You said, what's wrong myself. with me? Right. I was like, why am I so upset about? And we had some pretty significant. We won't go down this path, but early in our relationship, there were some big things happening and some things where I was like, wow, this is overwhelming and heavy and how to be like, it's OK. And I would cry and cry and cry. And what we eventually realized is I was doing crying for both of us uh-huh. and then wow. he could stand back and say I'll be strong you be weak mm-hmm. but really what I was doing was processing you're carrying both it for of both of us yeah. 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 which was yeah. unfair mm-hmm. right yeah that's intense has mm-hmm. that shifted for you guys oh absolutely yeah, yeah but it's still I'm still working on it <laughs> yeah. well it's yeah. shifted in that to Jason's question now Todd is he he does know how to support me he does see when things are coming around the corner mm-hmm. he does stop and listen but what hasn't changed, and this may be personality and upbringing and, you know, sure. is that I tend to be the one who brings things up mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. I don't have any fear in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll say we need to, and then he engages. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what you're referring well, to. Well, and it's funny, of. and I don't know if this will make sense, but just in the last 24 hours, something happened. I haven't shared this with you yet, but um, my dad and his sisters came over last night. Kathy was not feeling well, so she's like, I don't know if I want to entertain 10 people at our house, which would happen yesterday. And what I would have done a year ago was like, I woke up yesterday morning, not knowing if I should cancel plans with these family members or not. A year ago, I would have just let Kathy decide, you know, hold it and then finally be the bad guy and say, I'm too sick, call it off or whatever. So instead, what I did was I tried to put myself in your shoes and I said, "Um, I'm going to cancel plans. And we're going to pick a restaurant in between. We're not going to host. You stay home, and I'm just going to. We're just going to have dinner with the family in some other restaurant. But what I think that did was one, I was ready to do that. But two, it gave you some space to be able to say, you know what, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I would have just kept quiet, mm-hmm. it, I think it could have kind of. Mm-hmm. 
And and I want you guys yeah, to speak sure. to this. I'm not, you know, because I think some people hear that and they'll say, then it's a game because you're just saying this mm. to get this. Right. And I'm not playing a game. No. I really wasn't sure yeah. I could host 10 people. Yeah. Like I'm, this is the best I've been. I've been very congested or whatever. So what do you guys say when, when people come back to you and say, it just sounds like you're playing a game because mm. we get that a mm. lot. Right. Or like a technique or, oh, when that happens, I should do that yes. versus the difference I think you guys are feeling is like, oh, we're knowing each other better. We're, we're anticipating what someone else needs. Like I'm putting myself in her shoes. This isn't easy for her to sort through. I can help her here. Like that's, that's a really different thing than, um, oh, I'll just take this off her shoulders or I don't, whatever the game would be. I mean, I was thinking of, well, I wanted to say something else about how interesting it is that like those roles haven't necessarily shift about how you guys were describing doing feelings and mm. stuff, but you're working with it differently. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's what we need to do. Like we're not necessarily going to change who we are and how we do things. We, we're going to grow and evolve and soften around the edges, but more important, it's like how we navigate stuff has to keep evolving and getting more creative. Yeah, um, I agree. And I, I, I heard in that, that Scott's gotten to know himself better mm-hmm. and you better. Yeah. And so he, again, like Ellen's saying, he can anticipate, well, this is probably going to help her. If I'm decisive here, it gives you space to relax. Yeah. And now you can find yourself again and find your clarity yeah. on mm-hmm. what you really want to do. Like mm-hmm. that sounded really Yeah. Awesome. We had something similar in Mexico about sailing. We were going to go sailing oh, yeah. with, with Jason's family and I had a bunch of reservations about it. And I was like, you know, I just can't go. I don't think I can go. And he stepped in and said, well, I'm going to, you know, look, if it's, if your concerns come to fruition, I will, I will take care of it. I'll handle it. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can go. Mm. Cause like, I know you have my back and we're with your family and I'm not going to have to be like the bad guy or, you know, whatever it was, it felt so, I felt so supported. And then I felt like I could actually participate and do something I really wanted to Mm. do knowing I didn't have to sort of anticipate all the scenarios where it might just be hard for our kids or whatever else was going on. It was, it was like transformative. Well, it was, and I didn't feed him that at all. He just, well, it's funny. Um, (laughs) a few, I, I, I run a a tribe, it's a men's group and we meet monthly in, in my living room. And this particular month, I invited Kathy to, and the title of the of the night was figuring out how women think. So Kathy was my guest. Oh, awesome. As if there's one way, right. but but, <laughs> but I, gotta, I'm jumping so, in in the ooh, middle. I want to figure women out. I want to come. <laughs> Trying to help. And, and my idea was Kathy would talk for ten or fifteen minutes, and it ten or fifteen turned into ninety, which very easily because the guys kept asking questions like what, what blah blah blah. But what I got out of that night more than anything was that what women want more than anything in this world is for their partner to have their back. And you just said that. That's the exact words you said is you felt that Jason had your back and it Mm kind of created the space for you to make decisions without... Yeah, I had more choices all of a sudden. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the the two things that, that I see and hear are... Um, like freedom, which is, you mm-hmm. know, choices and being understood. Yeah. Like support is really in, interwoven with being understood because there are times, and again, an old part of our relationship, I'm digging, I'm going back in time, Taddy, mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, an old part of our relationship is Kathy's afraid, ta- you know, same kind of thing. I'm strong, Kathy's weak. Kathy's afraid, but I'll tell her why she shouldn't be afraid. But it's less about fear and more about being the one who is the first line of defense, right? Yeah. First and last with kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where sometimes it'll be like, like we, you know, 
the same thing. We'll go to Seattle and we'll like take these tubes down this crazy water, you know, this crazy river. Well, who's managing how the kids are feeling, not just their physical uh-huh. experience? Yes. Todd's like, we. What I was about to interrupt, I was going to say, who's taking care of it? The life jackets are taking <laughs> care of it. Right. Nothing's going to happen. But to your point, it's not about keeping them alive are it's they keeping them are they dysregulated um, right. are they and yeah. i don't and see uh-huh. kathy and todd would love to go down the river because the two of us together is fun kathy todd three girls is a whole different experience oh, yeah. so being understood mm-hmm. it's not about your again jason you said this before about you know you're not a cookie cutter where it's like you're afraid i'm it's like in certain situations mm-hmm. you have to understand that this is hard for me emotionally, yes. even if it doesn't look like it. Yeah. At emotional labor, as we for talk sure. about, who's worrying? Who's looking at our children's face? How does that right. show up in your in your right. household, the emotional labor part? Because it's not in balance yeah. in our household. I, in my experience, we're more balanced. I feel like I feel like you're pretty intuitive and tuned into us. Sometimes us, meaning me and the kids. Um, so. I think we both are picking up on different things. I, I mean, I guess I would say I'm more, I'm more tracking the pulse yeah, of our kids, uh-huh. and and Jason's just very much trusts me there, and I fill him in daily on just all the nuances of what's going on, and and he provides a lot of resources that are different than mine. You know, I think it's I think we've. Yeah. What would you say? I'd say I agree, and I grew up being the kid that was tracking the adults Mm. and the dynamics and the relational dynamics and Mm. and the emotions. And I was very empathic. So it somewhat comes naturally for me Mm. to track something's off in the room and then to speak up Mm. about it. And something feels like it's not going well, like just the other day in the pool, you know, Lucian's playing the violin, for example, and your sister's breastfeeding. And I was like, I don't, I think that was a misfire there. Oh yeah. Cause then I said, Hey, can you say something? Because that felt just like uh, it was jarring, I think, as my projection of uh, interrupted the breastfeeding flow. Mm-hmm. You know that beautiful flow that a mother and a baby can get into, and and sure enough, it was true. Like I was on point there that there was a dynamic that just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just that way, I think, because of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I being shut down for so many years emotionally, I had to work at remembering that place and and actually giving myself permission to be that kind of guy. So that's a rabbit hole. Go ahead, sweetie. Well, I was going to say, this is so interesting because I'm very similar to you. That's I was a tracker, you know, and yeah. I, and you know, it's one of those things like, do you come in with that or does that become your role in the family? Right. You never, it's a mixture of both, right? Sure. Yes. But when you say you were shut down for a while, did, did you have that as a child and then you got to an age where you're like, I'm not doing this anymore and you had to bring it back? Like what? I was way more asleep than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just was really guarded behind a huge fortress of armor, mm-hmm. yet I still was as sensitive as I always was. Like you couldn't, even though I had a bunch of armor around my heart, I was still tracking everything, but I just wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the words. I didn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to talk like I am yeah. right now. I'd have been like, no, I'm not. Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm fine. Or, But meanwhile, I'm like, everything's like sensitive and jarring mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, third clip. Because then I have a whole bunch of other, other questions I want to go to. So this is what happens. Kathy and I like write down one sentence, and we'll be in an hour and fifteen oh, minutes later. We're still going. So um, third and last clip of uh, Jason's blog. He says, "Stay as present as you can with the moving target of your woman, and stop making any of her waves 
a problem. Mm -hmm. She's just helping you grow and live into yourself more fully. Instead of complaining, try thanking her instead. Mm. The reason I love that is because you're calling the dude out. I love calling guys out yeah. and myself because everybody pussyfoots around not disrupting the guy. And I need to be called out by my wife and I need to be called out by a coach. Like, I think there's value in that. And it's just a very strong sentence. So mm -hmm. thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. I need to be called forward and called out and it helps me. That's why I surround myself and love what you're doing with men is I surround myself with guys that have that capacity mm -hmm. to call BS on me. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's helped us through a ton of It's helped. I'm times. so grateful to your community for that. Yeah. For, it's helped us a lot. Um, so I feel like this is a good time to uh, help me understand how the relationship school came about and why it's important and just what your, uh, what your collective goal is in uh, helping people understand uh, relationships better. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of my story in that. Um, and on the short side of that is I just felt like a failure at relationship and like I was doing it all wrong. And so I finally realized that I was the problem. And I, once I realized that I said, okay, I'm going to do something about this. And I went and studied myself and other people and became a therapist. And then I eventually discovered that, uh, through graduate school that, there's just all this amazing stuff that we have the capacity to see each other and support each other through our relationship challenges. But yet, in, even in grad school, there wasn't a class um, on relationships in a three-year master's program in psychology. Uh, there was no relationship-specific course uh, dealing with that. And then, of course, none of us got that in high school or college, and I, I believe it could have helped us a lot. And as a psychotherapist, I kept hearing the same repeating patterns. And I was like, and then my suggestions weren't working. And I was like, I think I need more of a crucible and a container for people to really learn just basic skills, listening skills and speaking skills and setting boundaries. And that it actually took men's groups. And I started noticing bigger results in like group experiences that were um, long in duration, eight, eight weeks, mm -hmm. uh, 90 days. And then all of a sudden I did a six month training for men. And Pretty soon I started seeing bigger results and I was like, I, I think I'm onto something here and I, I want to create an even more rigorous program that weeds out people that just want to complain and want to band-aid. And I want to draw in people that uh, want to lift the metaphorical weights every day and understand that success is kind of a long-term play mm. and that you need to practice every day and show up every day. So that's, you know, a few years back I had the vision to start this school uh, in this vacuum where there wasn't a relationship class and the rest is pretty much history. Mm -hmm. And Ellen, yeah. what's yeah. your role in the school? Well, it's evolving. And uh, <laughs> my role is that every day we talk about it. So <laughs> I'm the ongoing sounding board. Yeah, and, um, you know, Jason's really holding most of it. You know, it's he's really created the curriculum and the the structure of it. And I, I get to support him emotionally with his vision. And I, I'm deeply aligned with the vision and the mission of it as well. And I'm, um, you know, I'm still, I still like being the flexible, more flexible parent and not having as much responsibility as he has. I still love my private practice. So I've been just coming in to do, um, to teach during the live weekends on the things I'm really, that I really love around attachment and neurobiology and, um, some of the couples work I'm trained in, helping people understand that, uh, and then interviews and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and sharing about our relationship too. Like that's been, that's been a really cool piece is being able to 
be kind of another human being on the relationship journey with people um, who just happens to have taken this all really seriously and studied it and, and practice everything I can to figure out, you know, what's my best way through, through marriage and family and all of that. You know, one of the things, um, you, you guys both use these words, but one of the things I find that I struggle with the most when I'm working with people one-on-one or the feedback we get about, you know, Zen parenting is knowledge versus practice, or it doesn't even have to be versus, it's really combining, Mm -hmm. is that a lot of times people tune into the show or people come in to see me or Todd and they're like, you know, either tell me how to do this, give me the information, or I already have all this knowledge. Let me review, you know, with you all the books I've read, all the authors I know, all the podcasts I listen to. And then they're like, so this should be easy. But the truth is, is that to your point, Jason, from earlier on, and when we were talking, it it really, lifting the weights is you have to do it. Just knowing it, just understanding, you know, what an author says is very different than actually putting it into practice because that's mm-hmm. where the turbulence comes. Yes. Right? Because yeah. yeah. when you're putting it into practice, that means you're becoming vulnerable or saying something scary and a lot of your childhood comes up. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, it's like, gonna be messy. It's messy. You have to admit you're insecure here. Yes. You don't know what you're talking about, you don't know what you're doing, you're a beginner. Yes. Yes. Very vulnerable. It is. And so what have you found? Like you said, you know, you said I really, when I was, I was working with men and we were going through this and I really felt like I was getting somewhere or like it was making a difference. What was that thing that they were putting it into practice? Was it they were able to admit and and admit sounds like we're like, we're trying to make you admit something. Is it that they were able to see themselves? Like what were you seeing change? Like what, how did you realize it was working? Well, just to your point real quick, the the quote I'm liking these days is knowledge is potential power, mm. not knowledge is power, right? Yep. So if we don't do anything with that knowledge, then it's just this kind of mental thing. So yeah, I started noticing with, especially with group work and partner exercises, I made people do partner exercises. And that's one of the most powerful things of the course. And it's it's cool because it's like something I can't necessarily take credit for. I don't I can't just prop myself up and think I'm all awesome. Because it's it's the week, day in, day out, week in, week out meeting of two people that practice listening to each other using the tools we teach is what seems to make all the difference. Hmm. And it's just like going to the gym. So it's the relationship gym or relationship CrossFit is we actually need to show up together and learn this. And it's a safe place to stumble not get it right, fall down, because the stakes are a lot lower there than when you go home and you're trying to listen to your partner, a divorce is on the table where the stakes are very high. So uh, we're sort of the mindset, you know, having this mindset that I'm training, I'm a white belt here, a yellow mm-hmm. belt, and I'm on, so I'm on the journey and there is really no summit that I might be practicing the rest of our lives. And so we, we try to help people understand that it's a long-term play and that it's okay to be a, be new at this and to fall down. And this is the place where uh, most of the learning happens. And, and I literally think, I, there's no research to back this up in what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we're rewiring people's brains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah, through new experiences yeah. with someone else, you know, where the stakes are lower and you can maybe take more risks. There's a container there. You guys are holding it. And then they're having these real live relationship experiences of something different happening and then they feel everyone feels like oh I could take this into my life I could take this home with me and try it there and the, the other thing that's powerful is that a nine month time frame is long enough for people in the course to get into conflict with each other and see if it works mm-hmm. so yeah. we've had some intense conflict in the course between two participants and then on the spot we work it out 
using the tools. And then people are like, okay, now I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, right. this just worked. I, like a second ago, I wanted to kill you mm-hmm. and I hated you and I was so triggered and I didn't want anything to do with you and now we're like hugging in both in tears. In action. You know? yeah. well, what's cool about, um, and we're going to talk about the podcast in a little bit that you guys have, um, but um, Kathy and I try our best to do this because I don't know if you want to call it Eastern and Western or feelings and thoughts, but you guys bring both in. And I know you mm-hmm. talked about neuroscience yeah. a little bit, yeah. but you also believe in what can't be measured. Fair to say? Absolutely. Yes. And is that uh, intentional? You guys purposely, like, that's kind of your makeup. Like, you need, you know, because... I'm more like show it to me in research and Kathy's like, if it feels right, it feels right. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. just wonder how you guys work together and all that. I, again, I think both are valid. So, um, that's been true as a therapist. I love science. I think it's, I love the human, the study of human beings and the research and all that we're learning about the brain and how we work. And I also love just what I feel and know through my own experience. And I mean, every time I'm with a client, something emerges that I couldn't have predicted. Like if I can stay open and aware, things come through that are just amazing. And so, and humans are amazing and we're capable of so much. So in my view, there is, there's an aspect of mystery to us all and to what's happened, what's happening between us. And there's a lot we can understand through science, but there's things we can't, Mm -hmm. or at Mm -hmm. least at this point can't. And I'm really great with that. I love that. It leaves a lot of creativity and spontaneity and room for personal development that, um, that's just really right for who we are. Yeah. It's really hard to pin down the mystery of the human journey. And I'm also a science nerd these days, neuroscience, especially, and I love data facts like yeah but show me like, yeah. give me the numbers here. right and I, I really just agree with everything mm-hmm. you're saying that um, for us it's both and a lot of our training and we now are training people to become relationship coaches uh, it's both and and another way to see it for us is top down like cerebral prefrontal cortex activity figuring things out and having step-by-step formulas and then bottom up, more of a feeling, mm. sensory, intuitive, mm. uh, both how to work with people in that way, uh, but also just how the lens at with, with which we see relationship and how we work through challenges together. Mm. You know, one of the visuals I always get, I'm, I'm a yoga teacher and we talk a lot about root to rise. Mm-hmm. Like before you go into a big pose, you have to be rooted in your mm-hmm. feet. And so I often think about, you know, there's a big earth element there and that rooting really is what we know and, and science and who we are. And, you know, like you said, the data, the rooting into something where you're very confident. And then when you feel that way, you can rise and you can be in a place that's a little more airy and mysterious mysterious because a lot of, and a lot of times we go, it can go either way. Like, you know, Todd and I have a joke that if I would have, you know, married someone just like me, we'd be floating around the, you know, I'd be floating (laughs) around the world all the time, not being rooted at all and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Todd would be too, too rooted, not, you know, airy enough and that they're, but I really believe, I agree with you that I love, I love, I don't love the data the way that Todd does necessarily, but I love the science of it because it's starting to prove all the things that we talked about totally. with feeling, right? Oh, yeah. I used yeah. to just say things I, you know, teach college students and I used to always say, because it feels right, right, you guys, you know, kind of like agree <laughs> totally. with me. And yeah. now I can bring in these books and say, yeah. look at what it, what empathy actually yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Look at, you it's know, look at the brain research. Yes. Exactly. Or look at what meditation does. Right. Yeah. Yes. Validates Mindfulness, our totally. experience. Absolutely. Um, so quick uh, pivot here, I guess. Um, we did a podcast 
a month or two, a few months ago, and it's called "How Do I Get My Partner to Dot Dot Dot." Mm. Kathy and I do all these. Um, <laughs> that's loaded. I know. Well, that's, we <laughs> like kind of that. answered by saying, yeah, Ka- yeah. "Kathy and I do yeah. these uh, movie screenings where we bring in these really important documentaries to the movie theater. We do the conference. We speak to groups, and honestly, and this I guess is more directed towards you, Jason. Um, it's usually seventy to eighty percent female. And I think I'm being kind with that. And I know that there's some of my projection going on there because I get really frustrated. Like, guys, come. Like, we did one on the Mask You Live In. You ever seen the Mask You Live In? I still have not seen that. I've been wanting to see that. Put it on your short list. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's all about, you know. Conditioning. Yes. How to grow up male. And we used this podcast as a vehicle to advertise for it. And it's all about men. So we're like, dads, get there. Bring your sons. Blah, blah, blah. And we had about 300 people show up and 260 of more women. So some of that, uh, some of it is my own judgment. And you can tell just by the energy of how I ask this question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, and, or we'll do a talk at the conference and the, the moms will always come up to me and say, God, I wish my husband was here totally. to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get that? Oh, yeah. And how do you respond? Yeah, my, my sort of explanation... I offer an explanation, which is, yeah, this is how men are when we're conditioned the way we are, um, to avoid, to stuff our feelings, to say we're fine when we're really not. Uh, and we're trained from a very young age and put in a box, a gender box about how to be uh, a boy, how to be a man eventually. And this unfortunately leads to a prison that men don't even know they're in. Mm -hmm. And so it gets really hard to show a man the way, uh, to relational awareness or empathy or literacy, if he can't even see that he's in it. You know, like, I'm fine. Like, there's no problem here. And I, I have a lot of, when I can let myself drop into that place and, and I see my former self as incredibly in denial and shut down, I, I have a lot of compassion for just men and like, wow, it's so dark and sad out there in mm. some ways. And I just really focus on the guys that are getting it. And I also try to do more effective marketing Mm. uh, to men that will, uh, I might offer something that uh, has them uh, be introduced to the work more quickly than, hey, you should want to improve your marriage or something like that, telling a guy what he should focus on. Because I tried that for years and that business failed. Mm -hmm. It was called Revolutionary Man. Mm -hmm. It's maybe another podcast. But (laughs) uh, I learned a lot of really valuable lessons about trying to change men and try to kind of shake them into waking up. And it it just, I I got burnt out and the business ultimately failed. So I just got smarter with how to, okay, how do I, given that this is kind of the state of affairs here, how do I reach men? more effectively. And I'm it's still working on that big time. So what do you say to the woman who says, my husband needs this course or like, cause you can't force. The yeah. Woman. I say, cool. Um, and if I'm your man, I probably feel judged and criticized. Mm-hmm. So if he really wants to do this, just have him call me mm-hmm. or send an email, but I got to hear from him. Yes. Always. Yeah, from I don't him. want you to sign him up. No. It's a little different with your work with couples mm-hmm. where, um, I feel like sometimes, could correct me if I'm wrong, sure. but, uh, sometimes the wife might drag the man in. Mm-hmm. And this happens with both genders. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes the wife may drag a, woman, a man into couples therapy. And then amazing things can happen with a good therapist. And that's sometimes what's needed. And other times that actually creates more of a rift. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've seen both sides. It's not predominantly women bringing men in. I've, I've seen both. And, but I do see that um, I can't always reach that person that doesn't really want to be there. Uh, but sometimes I can, sometimes I can 
find things that would have them invest in the work, have them see why they want to, why they personally have an individual, have something to gain as an individual by looking at this stuff um, versus just their partner saying, I want you to do this, this would help me, you need this. Um, sometimes I can see something their partner can or say it in a way they can't. So it is worth, if you can get someone there, um, that can be a step, mm -hmm. um, but it's not a guarantee. You know, some people just aren't gonna wanna yeah. do the growth yeah. work. And our, our like nine month training is just too big of an investment for a guy to go there for his wife. Okay, fine, I'll come to this for you and just sit on my ass and fold my arms and be angry. Mm -hmm. It's too big of a price tag mm -hmm. for that. So, but that can sometimes happen at a, at a more like a couple session or yeah. a counseling mm -hmm. session, coaching yeah. session. Well, and I know you've interviewed him a few times. Terry Real yeah. is one of my favorite teachers. He's yeah. one of my heroes because he's just a very proud feminist. And he talks a little bit about how usually it's the woman yeah. bringing along the husband, kicking and dragging. Mm -hmm. And, um, he and he he does therapy differently and he's very obvious about it. He's like he chooses sides. And I think in therapy you're right. not supposed to choose sides. Yeah. So I don't know. I've learned a lot from that guy. Yeah. He doesn't know everything. Well, and gosh. I think, you yeah. know, when he says that, you're right, because I love reading his stuff too, but he goes back and forth. It's yeah. not about you're always gonna be right and you have to come around. It's right now you're the one. But he does not he does not remain neutral. Never. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah right. He's yeah. definitely like tries to kick a guy's ass yes. into like getting his shit together. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that has a place big time. Yeah, with he some can do men. that. And he can probably do that in a way like maybe I couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. there's there's just different things to navigate as a as a woman working with a couple than him. I mean, yeah. he can maybe speak to a guy in a way that I wouldn't I wouldn't have the deep understanding of a man's world mm. that Terry Rayle would have. Yeah. And here's always the fine line for me, you guys, is we're because obviously Todd's getting these questions, but I get these questions all the time too, because a lot of people who listen to the show, they'll say, well, you guys are just lucky because Todd's just this certain way and you just married well. Right. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And they're like, you, you know, you're just, you don't understand my plight. And, mm -hmm. f and I will stop real quickly and say, of course I don't, because that's your experience. Mm -hmm. And I would never assume that I know exactly what you're feeling, but Todd and I have not always been here. And the relationship that we have has been a progression. We've known each other since we were, what, 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And so there's been this, this progression that we both have been willing, again, I'll bring this back, to face a lot of turbulence. And But I always find that middle place is tough where... Really, I was kind of always doing, reading these books, doing this inner work. And I just, what was beautiful, what Todd did give me was he didn't um, question me about it. He'd joke about it sometimes, but, you know, I'd talk about energy and he'd say, you know, you, you had jokes about Yeah, you went my, to an energy worker and it said you feel energetic. I was yeah. a sarcastic <laughs> smart ass. And, <laughs> but he was also like, you know, it was who I was. Like he loved that part of me that had a more spiritual, you know, bent. And occasionally I would say, Todd, you'd really love this book. This just, it made me think of you. And he'd be like, yeah. And it would sit on his bedside table. And then about three or four years later, um, somebody else recommended the book. And then he picked it up mm -hmm. yeah. and then he loved it. Right. <laughs> you guys have heard this, yeah. right? Yes. You know, this, this story. It our, helps. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of work, you know, Ellen, on, for you and I to not be like, I told you so, because that's yes. the worst thing. Right? right. And to just be more grateful that they're doing it. But the, but my, my real question is I'm beating around the bush is that I do say you do you and allow them to find their way. But then a lot of people are like, but I've been in marriage for 20 years and I'm doing me. 
and I'm not feeling they're going to find their way. Mm -hmm. So that's where I get a little challenged as a therapist Mm -hmm. and as Mm -hmm. someone who does this because I don't know all the details. And where is that line? Like, how do you guys Mm -hmm. navigate that? Yeah, that's, a, that's kind a, of the million dollar question. The million dollar question sort of is, can this relationship work or not? And should I stay or not? Is almost what you're saying. Yeah. And I, yeah. I definitely have, I get more opinionated here. Okay. Personally. Good. I want to hear it. Which is, I, I find that people have, it's driven by fear usually that they stick around in a relationship that's not nourishing to them and because they're afraid to be alone. And that's understandable because I don't, I don't want to be alone. I get it. And, um, people will end up settling and then kind of have a low grade resentment and kind of be, you know, in all these little subtle ways, trying to change their partner to, well, hoping and kind of one day maybe he might come around or she might come around and years go by Mm -hmm. years. So I think it's far wiser to learn how to like do the work of accepting the person as they are, Mm -hmm. imagining they may never change and asking yourself, can I, can I live with this and be fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And if it's a no, then maybe it's time to actually get more honest and move on. Mm-hmm. So that's just where I stand sometimes. And that's not always the case. And, but when, when people feel accepted genuinely, mm-hmm. and I don't, I think we, you guys alluded to this in your own marriage in our podcast is that's when someone feels intrinsically from the inside the desire to change and transform themselves, not from this kind of whisper of pressure that they need to be different. Yeah, totally. It, it is a tough question to answer, and sometimes we get it. But and it's along the same lines of what you just said, Jason. Whether it's a man or a woman that I happen to be talking to, my and it's this is an overly simplistic answer. But I'm like, if you can structure your life for 90 days where you're not judging them, you're complete in acceptance of all of their crap and you love them through all that crap. And if after 90 days, they still don't see any light at the end of the day. And it seems like, you know, what are you going to make or break a marriage in 90 days? But it's really not an easy thing of that. I'm asking that person is Mm -hmm. to love without condition because you know, we talk about transactional relationships all the time. Like, you know, I'll, I'll do this. I'll take the kids here, but then you let me go golf or whatever. Like you owe me. Yeah. Right. Then it's transactional. If you can go beyond that transactional level and literally my needs are Kathy's needs for 90 days and my, the sun rises and sets to make sure that she's taken care of. If, if a couple who has been challenged for a long time, cause I'm all like, try something different, like yeah. mix it up, do you're something gonna, different. They're going to learn something in those 90 days. And yeah. That, yeah. so then, and hopefully you're working through that. But anyways, that's what I, I don't know if it's the right answer, but I need to say something. So that's what yeah. I go with. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And you know, I also want to comment because we obviously talk about parenting a lot is what you just said, Jason, what all of us are saying here about accepting someone as they are. That's the key of parenting Mm -hmm. too. And that's the thing is what I love about everything that we're all discussing here is it's universal principles. This is not like apply this to your marriage, then apply something different with your friendships and apply. It's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, but we don't trust it because there's a lot of parents who are like, and again, I'm, we could say a lot of marriages too, who are like, I want to do that. That feels good. It feels good to, to recognize what they're doing. It feels good to say, thank you. It feels good, but then they're going to walk all over me. Or then they're going to think, you know, there's this feeling of that. If I give up my like fear and I'm calling it straight up fear and control, Mm -hmm. then, um, then I'm going to be walked on by my partner or by my children. But Jason, what you said is exactly true is the more we're accepting 
we take that risk, that leap, the more they're given the space, everybody we love mm-hmm. to be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can, then they might, there might be enough space in that relationship to really determine, okay, given that this is who they are and they may never change. Now, do I want to be here or not? Right. Right. Or is there more room for them to be another way or have the, has the box that I put them in been released somehow? Yeah. And so now they're like, Oh, actually I feel like I'm interested. What, what are you doing over there? Um, like you said, even the 90 days, I don't, I mean, maybe I'm sure it helps some people because because doing anything different is going to reveal new information. He's insight yeah. about oneself or the relationship or, mm-hmm. um, I know you have people try things like, you know, just do a different pattern mm-hmm. and see what happens. And, you know, I don't think there's any right answer to this. It's such a personal journey to, to figure out what to do, but well, uh, you and know. what I tell people many times who are stuck, just do the opposite. If you're used to like withdrawing, move forward. Yeah. If you're used to moving forward, withdraw. Like just do something, something and then different. learn from it. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah. what it yeah. is. Yeah, see what it feels like, see what happens. Maybe maybe nothing, but probably something. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk yeah. about universal, we talk about universal principles all the time, like empathy, compassion, all that stuff. I On Jason's site, and Jason and Ellen's site last night, um, he has a t-shirt. He sells stuff just like we do. Mm-hmm. And on the t-shirt it says, connection is food. It is. And, and, and I thought of guys. her, <laughs> I thought of her the minute I saw that. I'm just like, because Kathy's like, that's all, that's all there is. Everything is. <laughs> and that's the thing is whenever, you know, you know how people want to like narrow down your message or, you know, they're like, well, what is this? What You know, everybody wants it to be so sharpened. And mm-hmm. I get why for marketing reasons and everything. But, you know, I like to, like I said, I like to live in the mystery a little bit, but everything is connection. That's the, that's what we need to thrive. That's how we're biologically, you know, that's how we're neurologically hardwired. Mm -hmm. It's, it's when we feel our best. It's when we feel that we can actually do things. It's when we feel we're giving, there's nothing that isn't connection. It's all about relationship. I love that you, Mm -hmm. that your, um, the relationship school, I love that language as simple as it is. That's it. If if we can practice, if we can live in the relationship Mm -hmm. school the rest of our lives and realize that this is what makes us who we are. Like we did uh, about a month ago, we did a podcast about uh, men, lonely men. The Mm -hmm. profound loneliness of Of American American men. men. Mm -hmm. And we actually used a podcast. um, I can't remember what it was. Was it NPR? It doesn't really matter. But basically they had a lot of data and they had a lot of research about it. And they actually interviewed some men who had been profoundly lonely. And one of the men who lived alone, who really struggled with relationships, he was so lonely that he would Mm -hmm. come home and before bed or when he'd wake up, he would hug a pole. A steel beam in his, in his apartment. Wow. Because he needed the feeling of hugging. I could cry thinking yeah. about it. He needed to have that that physical interaction with a pole. Yeah. And and I and I don't, you know, for some it's like, oh, that's crazy, haha. That to me is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because yeah. his body and his mind realized he needed that. He just couldn't get beyond mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. So he used a steel object instead. So, yeah. you know, just, uh, again, yeah. the relationship school is everything. Yeah. It's sort of like what we're all scrolling for, you know, and searching for on our screens too, is like connection. Yes. Um, it's what, why I think we spend so much time there. It's sort of a, it's a black hole because mm. it doesn't ever, it's never going to provide what another human being could, but you know, there's, I think that's what we're searching for there too. Yeah. Uh, Gabor Mate, who I've interviewed on our podcast, uh, says there's two core fundamental human needs and one is connection, Mm. attachment, Mm -hmm. connection. And the other one is our self-expression, right? Mm -hmm. And it's Mm. through 
our connectedness and our connection that we feel like we can feel safe enough then to express express yeah. who yeah. we are. And and weirdly enough, well, not weirdly enough because they're the two, but it's like vice versa. Like we, you know, through if you connection, exactly. Once you self-express and become who you are, you can actually connect. Yeah. You know, you can actually find someone who is the who is a good fit for you. It could be friend, you know, whatever. It's like right. they both kind of go back and forth all the time, yes. don't they? Yes, totally. They do, and um, connection is the more biological imperative, yes. right? Like I can stuff who yeah. I am. Uh, more easily than I can, I can just be like, I can live without people. That's much harder to do because connection is food, mm -hmm. right? So I, it's more threatening to the human being in my experience to be unattached, disconnected, lonely, alone, isolated than it is to just, I'll just squelch my voice. Cause most people in a relationship end up compromising who they are to keep the connection going. Mm -hmm. Right. Hmm. I have a few different very, because we're all, uh, almost an hour in, so we should probably think about winding down. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know you go, how long do you, some of your interviews go a long way. All day, man. I love yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some, I mean, 60, 90 minutes at the very least. So I don't think we have time for both. So one is, you know Tim Ferriss is? Yeah. And he has a group of uh, questions that he asks in the Tribe yeah. Event Mentors book. Yeah. I've never asked anybody this group of questions, but I, Tim Ferriss, I have kind of a love neutral relationship with him because his delivery is <laughs> kind of annoying, love and let him go. but yeah. he has such wonderful resources. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's, I think seven questions that I thought about asking the two of you, totally catching you off guard. Okay. But the other is I've been going back and forth with friends in my tribe men's group about the terms white privilege and toxic masculinity. Mm. And mm. I'm going to try to squeeze them both. Okay. <laughs> I was hey. like, really? Damn. This Let's could have it. been the whole show. I know. <laughs> right. Um, my buddy, whom I love, who's in my men's group, uh, let me see if I can compress this. Certain guys in my men's group get very offended by the term white privilege and toxic masculinity uh, to the point where they're like, why do you have to call it toxic masculinity? Can't you just call it toxic behavior because you're giving men a bad rap and all that? And I'm more like, I'm calling it for what it is. And maybe it's um, language and we mean the same thing, but we're using different words. But I also get very, you know, I, I proclaim a very proud, I can, uh, I'm a very proud feminist. So, and I've proclaimed that for the last year or two, whatever it is. As my wife has become stronger finding her voice, I find myself kind of joining hands with her to try to bring some equality into mm -hmm. this world. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'm setting this up well, but do you have, Jason, any two, do you get offended because I know some of it's my own projection, but what is your feedback for me on that? Yeah, I have to look at all the ways in which I'm, as a man, um, toxic in my own behavior. So I, I just look at his feedback, potential feedback, like, okay, if someone has a beef with me being a white privileged male and I'm heterosexual, that makes sense to me because so many white privileged males cause harm in the world. I'm part of that club, you know? So I need to learn how to listen to someone until they feel understood, or I, I try to do that, and I feel like I do a good job of that. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean, though, I'm not going to stop wanting to make money mm -hmm. or use my privilege for the greater good mm -hmm. or whatever. So I don't, I don't really take too much offense to that. Um, and toxic masculinity, I, I'm just like, look, we have to look at the shadow of everything in life. And it just so happens that I have a shadow as a man and men have shadows. And it's important that we evaluate like how can we as men as a gender do better, 
like, yeah, there's some things we do that are completely out of line. And if I get defensive, that, that might be a sign that I haven't fully investigated my interior to see how I also am like Donald Trump mm -hmm. or how I am also like uh, the most brutal male out there. Like mm -hmm. I have the same capacities in me uh, the, to hurt people. So I, I just look at it as feedback and I want to listen. Mm -hmm. um, I think what what's when our, where it's problematic for me is if someone's not... Um, they're just putting me in a box without getting to know me first. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah I, I fit that box on the outside, but if you knew what I, who I am and what I was up to, you might yeah. uh, actually have a different opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that? I think, I don't take offense to those terms. I'm not a man. I, under, I understand where they come from. And I mean, I just want to be proactive in helping men and women, you know, evolve, grow. Our world needs all of us to be more awake and more aware of each other and more of a team, more of a team. Um, and I, I, I definitely want to see people for who they are, not just for the box they're in. That's mm. for sure. Um, and I think the, I think we all, I mean, I know I have to look at my privilege too. I'm grateful for it. And I'm very aware that I have blind spots as well because of it. And mm -hmm. I, and I just, the way the world is right now, I feel like I mean, we're engaging in conversations around this a lot more than we were a few years ago or, you know, and having kids too. I mean, that has us feel way more like how do we want to, what kind of world do we mm -hmm. want to bring them into and how can we be part of making it the world we want to be in? And there's a lot there. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just, I also trust who I am and how I'm showing up in the world is the biggest thing I can offer. Um, For sure. Rather than, again, trying to change everybody. It's like, yeah. how can I be the change here. Yeah. And how we just are in our homes. I mean, I always want to send that message to families and mothers, especially because we're so often the ones at home who ca are caring so much about the world, but we're in the day to day with our kids. And that's, that's such a huge contribution. You know, we, oh, have, we have such influence with what the values we, you know, are showing and giving to our children. It, it has a huge impact on the world. Just that, that is the that world. Day to, right? That is the world. Yeah. That's it. I'm like, this mm -hmm. is we're creating it day to day with yeah. all the all the things that feel mundane are actually extremely. It's an it's a powerful transmission. That's why your message about the parenting message is so mm -hmm. vital. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It starts in the home. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it's um, it's funny because like I know my my trigger my trigger is my own shadow coming out somehow, and I'm still figuring that out. But like one of the points that I get triggered at, like what was the, the rally we just went to in Downers Grove? Uh, families belong together. Families yeah. belong together. Mm. I didn't have it. You know, I think of myself as a self-aware man who's doing good for the world. And Kathy's like, you know, there's a big march downtown that we can't get to because we got to pick up our kid at summer camp. But there's a rally in Downers Grove, which is a few suburbs away. You want to get, like, it's not on my calendar. Like, I'm not the one taking the lead. Kathy has just as many things, if not more things to do than I do, yet mm -hmm. she's the one leading the charge. And when we get to the rally, once again, it's 80% women showing up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I get annoyed at my own sex. Yeah. And, it's understandable, man. Yeah, and, I think we need a shit ton of help. Mm -hmm. And um, it's there's so much work to do here. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, and again, the what we kind of came to um, because we've talked about this so much, just in, you know, just the two of us, but also on the show, is the what is at risk 
And I think that there has been, you know, so many people who have been at risk for so long who have been trying to say, look, look, look. Mm -hmm. And to your point, Ellen, me too, with my privilege, mm -hmm. where I've been like, yes, I see and I'll speak up occasionally, but not doing enough mm -hmm. for the people who have been saying for years, for their lifetimes, look at this. And then I think in the last couple of years, I finally felt that threat as being right. real yeah. for me and yeah. for my daughters. Right. And so I was like, okay, now Todd, now I now I understand and I do have some uh, regret that I didn't understand before when I was being told by people of color, mm -hmm. by, you know, LGBTQI community. Like they were saying, look, look, look. And even though I was helping, not in the biggest way. And now I am. And what, what I would say to you is that it's all about feeling the risk and the part of the white privilege or the white male privilege, you know, straight, is that you don't feel the risk that because we we're feel. not. That's right. Correct. And so that's yeah. really what it boils down to is that empathy piece again, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can be blind. Uh, I and I often am just because I'm I'm not dealing with the same problems as most people are in the world. Yet we have, a, you have a daughter. I have three of them. Yeah. We came through a woman like. How hard is it for us to be, for me, forget about us, for me to be empathic, but because I'm a white straight male, there's less on the line for me. Yeah, Yet yeah. I'm raising three daughters, I'm married to a woman, and I came from a woman, but there's this disconnect. It's a disconnect. Until it hits my home or really close to me, then I wake up. It's like, mm -hmm. oh shit. There's or, or just the listening, because if, if I'm more awake to these things because of who I am, you know, like you with Todd too, you were like, let's go. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's go. Like that's, that's kind of all I need from you yeah. and men in general, just like, just, just listen and, and support because mm -hmm. we'll, the women can do this. Yeah, we can <laughs> we lead. Your I know, support. but we'll get there so much faster yes. if we're with you. If we do it together. Yes. Too. If we lead together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We saw Brene exactly. Brown speak at a high school, um, in Evanston and, She's like, it's too much to ask the minorities, females, minorities, totally. to carry this load. It's true. Yeah. When we saw the Charlestown, I always get it mixed up, uh, Charlottesville, and the men with the torches. Oh, yeah. They looked like us. Yeah. Yeah. Khaki, khaki pants, nice shirt. Like, they're not skinheads yeah, anymore. They eyes. got smart. Blue yeah. eyes. Yeah. And uh, it's too much to ask for you guys to lead this charge. So, anyways, yeah. I don't know why I decided to go on that tangent, but... Something you bring it up. It's relevant super important right, right now. So, um, quick questions. Okay. You guys are completely unprepared, but this will be a little <laughs> okay. more fun. Great. Uh, and these are from, come from Tim Ferriss. I think the name of the book is Tribe of Mentors. He had two of them back to back, and I get the two confused. I forget what the other one's called. Um, to either one of you or both, what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why? I never give gifts, uh, books as gifts. I know. Sadly. I haven't I'm in a terrible so gift long. Giver. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't given a book. Or instead, I've... what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? Hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I could speak for both of us. The Interpersonal Neurobiology, Dan Siegel. Yeah. That's a huge the one. The best. Yeah. It's that's... a big one. Even though it's a dense read, it's mm -hmm. really yeah. amazing. And also it's The Developing Mind, Dan Siegel. Yeah. He's a little he's just, too yeah. smart for yeah. me. He's, he's, he's dumbed down some uh, some of his early he stuff. He tries. He tries. He tries to. But he's he tries. just too smart. 
Yeah. You know, it's hard for him to come down to you us. You need yeah. time. Like yeah. I, I have a vision of myself sitting on the chair upstairs, reading interpersonal neurobiology and being like, this is like heaven. But as a mother or as be, or working, when people are interrupting you all the time, it is very hard to take in the depth of Dan Siegel. Right. But I like remember getting 30 minutes on that chair being like, oh my gosh, this book is everything yeah. you've ever wanted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So much yeah. there. Uh, question two, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? It's a total Tim Ferriss question. Hmm. And if nothing comes to you, I don't want you to make something up. Yeah. Oh, for me, it's uh, this is going to sound really privileged, but a wheelbarrow. Really? Yeah. I love wheelbarrows. I, I'm like, like my <laughs> backyard now is like so much better because I bought a wheelbarrow for Father's Day <laughs> for myself. <laughs> That's and it awesome. just feels, I just like moving dirt around. It's, I've always liked that since I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, you love gardening. That's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Anything, Ellen, or no? Nothing's coming to me. All right, number three. How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Or do you have a favorite failure of your own? I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind is relationship failure, you mm. know, quote unquote failure, where a relationship ends. And that has, as brutal as that felt in my life, I just felt like I, I felt like I had so many heartbreaks when I was going through them. And Looking back, it has just launched me into this area of my life that I love and value so much and a relationship I value so much and feeling really empowered here. So it, it really forced me to learn and learn who I was and what I wanted and needed because I didn't want to keep being in pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. Relationship failure. Nice. Uh, huge for me. Like That set me on the path to personal growth and where I am right now. Number four, if you could have a... This is a hard one. If you could have a gi gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it say and why? Something like, um, want to change the world, learn to embrace conflict and work out your differences with other people. Come hang out with us at the relationship school. There you go. Ellen, anything? What, what came to my mind was listen. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Number five, what's uh, one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Could be an investment of money, time, energy, blah, blah, blah. I'd say graduate school, mm. uh, psychology. Mm. That's where I met her. That's oh, where I met you. you. Mm -hmm. And I, ridiculous things have happened since I uh, invested in studying myself yeah. and other people. Nice. Yeah, that's. I have a tie with that with graduate school because that was such a turning point in my life as well. And, and investing in uh, motherhood, just just deeply immersing myself in that role with my kids has given me so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, number six, what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I can't say wheelbarrows again. <laughs> <laughs> about themselves no, or about each other? It's, yeah. it's open-ended. Oh, you trying to think about me? Uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, could I help you here? About myself. Unusual habit or absurd thing that I love. Sweetie, do you have anything? I know. You know, if, considering the way I view the world and the way, you know, the optimism I, I have a lot, I watch a lot of, like, Law & Order. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like can, that's like the so, conflict that like there's a lot of. I don't watch all the shows, but there's things I love like. You know, doing watching the OJ trial and the Menendez brothers. I think there's a psychology to it, though. Uh-huh. I'm trying to figure people out. Yes. But sometimes the way I go, people, you know, like if, you know, I think it, people who listen to the show would be surprised. Well, I talk about it. It's no secret. But they're surprised that I'd go so dark sometimes. Mm-hmm. I look at really dark things. But mm-hmm. we got it. That's the shadow part. Like, yeah. it's right. part. Yeah. Right. We know it's there. Better to face it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe mine's not so absurd, but I'm just kind of calling myself out, which is binging on ice cream. Mm, mm. Yummy. Do you have a favorite brand? Uh, oh gosh, there's this one, this gelato caramel thing that I just, I could eat the whole. It's not thing. like a nice, fancy brand. No, it's, it's just like, like a very low conventional grade, yeah. grade deal at any supermarket. In <laughs> well, they try to sell gelato as being healthier than ice cream. Is that true? I think they make it look a little more glamorous. There's no way. It's the word. It, it sounds like you're same. in Italy. It tastes, it tastes yeah. just I'm as just good. just like, bring it on. I used yeah. to be a Ben and Jerry's guy, but Haagen-Dazs has now surpassed my love for Ben and Jerry's. I also mm. love ice cream, mm. Jason. Mm-hmm. The thing that's coming to me is I like fashion. Mm. I don't necessarily dress like a fashion plate, but I really like looking at and appreciating and how people put together clothes mm. and mm. Yeah. And yeah, that's just, I always, it's like a creative outlet in mm. some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, last but not least, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Belief, behavior, or habit that's most improved your life, last five years? Ooh. I would say probably for me, it's um, my relationship to money mm. and wealth building and getting, just growing up myself financially. I was just resistant and asleep for most of my life. And, I've, uh, you know, went to a course, uh, one of my mentors taught and, uh, it was all about money and em- embracing wealth and, um, like how much I could do in the world. Um, so it's, uh, been a game changer for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of the training I've done with Stan Tatkin and the, I think the core thing I got from that personally was, um, the belief that shifting was around mm. being, like embracing my dependence and dependence on Jason mm-hmm. and other people and extracting myself from this kind of unconscious need to be able to do things on my own and be so self-reliant. That's uh, softening there and embracing my connectedness and my need for others has been a huge benefit to me. Nice. Yeah, and it's improved our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I so relate to, I know yeah. we're trying to finish up yeah. here, but honestly, um, that has been, and I feel like it's been just this slow growth yeah. for me because I remember actually early in our marriage, very early, I was still trying to make sure I could do everything because I didn't want there to be a day where I couldn't do it myself. Right. Because I was like, I would be like, no, I'll take care of that because I was so, I don't know, like, you know, I'm sure there's childhood core things in there, but it was like, I want to make sure I know how to do this if Todd's not around. What a, like a horrible, you know, know. right there, that thought process. And then being able to really say, and you probably experienced this as a therapist yourself, people come to you, right? Mm -hmm. People come to me. So to actually be like to a friend, I I need help now. Or I would come home from like brunches or lunches and I'd say, Todd say, how is everybody? And I'd be like, I could tell them how everyone's doing, but no one had Mm. asked me. Right. Right. Totally. And to be able to say, you know what, guys, I need five minutes too. Mm -hmm. That's, I'm still working on that. It's a big deal. 
it's a big shift. Mm, I appreciate it. knowing you have that yeah. too. Yes. I do. And that you're, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank um, you. Before I let uh, Ellen and Jason uh, let us know how we can learn more about them, I do uh, feel compelled to talk about our only partner this week, which is Avid Company, uh, Jeremy Kraft. He's the owner of the business. He's a good friend of mine. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Uh, his website is avidco.net and the number is 630-956-1800. And what is Jeremy, sweetheart? Wonderful. No. Oh, he's a bald-headed beauty. He's a bald-headed beauty. Yes. That's the tagline I gave to him. He's such and a good man. He was at nice. the conference and everybody's... They were like, you're the bald-headed beauty. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, Jason, Ellen, how, if somebody either wants to take your class or get coached by you, like, what's the deal? How do we, how do we help you? Yeah, you can find uh, me and Ellen at therelationshipschool.net, or you can uh, look in iTunes or now Spotify, the Smart Couple Podcast. Nice. And that's probably the best place to find me. Yeah. And you? Uh, I have a website. I just work with people live, though, and it's my in, name, Ellen Bader. In person, like yeah, this. Yeah, live in person. Got it. But we have a lot of people in Colorado that listen. So. Oh, great. Yeah. Sure. So I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And... I also have a blog called Rearrange My Motherhood, and that would be it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ellen, Jason, on behalf of Kathy and myself, I could have gone another few hours, but all good things must come to an end. That's right. Thank you for coming. If there's Thank anything you. we can do for you. you from here on out, let us know. Guys, hopefully you got something out of this. I bet you you did. Uh, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support and keep on trucking.